0: Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. As a large crowd was gathering and people were flocking to him from every town, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. As he was sowing, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the sky ate it up. Others fell on the rock. When it sprang up, it withered since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground. When it sprang up, it produced a crop 100 times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, Anyone who has ears to hear should listen. Then his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? So he said, The secrets of the kingdom of Yahweh have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in parables so that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of Yahweh. The seeds along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seeds on the rock are those who, when they hear, welcome the word with joy. Having no root, these believe for a while, and depart in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life, and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, bear fruit. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. In our text today, we have what is often called the parable of the sower, but I believe that's not the best name for the parable. I think that it should be called the parable of the soils, because the focal point of the entire parable is the different soils upon which the seed is dropped into or planted. What is a parable? Well, we find the English word parable here in verse 9, Luke 8, verse 9, where Yeshua's disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? And the Greek word here is parabole. So our English word parable is pretty much a transliteration letter for letter from the Greek to the English. And the Greek word literally means to lay beside or to compare. I like how W.E. Vines, a Greek scholar, says it. He says that, quote, it signifies a placing of one thing beside another with a view to comparison, end of quote. And I think that's a great definition of the word. A parable here in Luke 8 would then be telling a story, an important story, but yet a fictitious story to some regard, and then laying this story beside something real and tangible in order to convey a truth. At this point in the ministry of Yeshua, he began to teach many parables, and we're going to hit a lot of them as we go through the remainder of the book of Luke over the next several years. There is a reason that he did this, it's a twofold reason. The reason he taught in parables is twofold. I'll get to those reasons soon, today and also tomorrow. For now, I want to point out that there are many parables in the Gospels some stories, some full stories, some just particular points that deal with gardening. I hear a ringtone from my favorite show. I'll forgive it since it was Andy Griffith. (laughs) Let me say that again. I want to point out that there's many parables in the Gospels, some stories, full-length, some particular points that deal with gardening. And that's probably because the Israelites, for the most part, were an agrarian people. Kind of like here in our country a hundred years ago. Sure, we still have farmers today, but a hundred years ago nearly everyone in this country knew how to grow food and grew at least some amount of food on their property. Not so today. It's not always the case. I watched a documentary one time last year where children who were growing up today were asked where food comes from, and some of the many of these children responded from a truck because that's where they thought that it came from. Obviously, then, these children had not been acquainted with what is becoming now a lost art. It shouldn't be, and that's farming or gardening. It's something that we need to learn and we need to teach to our children. I recently was working in my garden with my six-year-old son, David. There's this beautiful picture up there on the screen. I love David. I'm so thankful that Yahweh gave me and teach him. Well, while David and I worked in that garden, we were pruning plants and we were plucking weeds and we were talking. And I told him this parable of the soils, didn't I, David? I told you what Yeshua taught us. And it was fascinating to see his little eyes light up while we were working in that garden together. Now David knows that vegetables are grown out of a garden. He's seen me plant many times, and I believe that David was able to better comprehend what I was saying because we were in the garden together, and we were both raking our fingers through the soil as I told him this parable. So much can be learned from gardening. I'm not even here talking just about physically. So much can be learned physically from gardening. But so much can be learned spiritually from gardening too. The Bible is full of parabolic language in regards to gardening. We consider how we do gardening and we lay that beside or compare that with everyday things that happen with people and also in our life. The other day I was reading James chapter 5 because I knew that Brother T.J. would soon be going through that chapter in his lessons through James. And I wanted to get acquainted with the chapter before I started hearing the sermons. And James chapter 5, as the whole book of James has been, has been great. And it was great when I was reading it. But there was one passage that stuck out to me in James 5. And I think it stuck out because in my time lately, I've been doing a lot of meditating and study on the parable of the soils. And it was verses 7 through 8 of James chapter 5, where James writes this, quote: "...therefore, brothers..." Be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. End of quote. James wrote that to the people that lived at his time. Look at the farmer, how he is patient. You must also be patient until the coming of the Master. Do you see how James uses a parable here? That's what it is. He doesn't tell a lengthy story parable, but nevertheless he is using a parable. He's laying something down as a comparison to convey a truth. The farmer plants, but he must be patient and wait for the rain to come in due season, the early rain and the late rain. After planting a seed, we know this, if you've ever done any gardening, After planting a seed, it takes a while to receive a harvest. I had one friend of mine, one fellow brother of mine, tell me, he said, Matthew, I like your garden. I wished I had that much patience. What does he mean when he says that? He's saying that I wished I had the patience that after I would plant the seed, I could take care of it, water it, fertilize it, make sure the weeds are plucked around it, and wait a good 60 a good 90 days for some plants, 100 days for for some harvests, for that fruit to start being produced from that which was planted. That's what my friend, my brother, was telling me. And James is saying, when you look at the farmer's patience, you see how you should be patient while you wait for the Master to come. Be patient. A lot of people will mock and scorn and say, where's the promise of His coming? We just stay patient. We don't get anxious. We do what we know to do. Well, there are many more examples in the Bible of using gardening parables to get across deep spiritual truths. And as we go through this parable of the soils in Luke chapter 8, you'll see some of those individual parabolic languages come to light as we look at these truths. Uh, Today I'll cover verses 4 through 10. Tomorrow I'll cover verses 11 through 15. So we begin by going to Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 5. As a large crowd was gathering and the people were flocking to him from every town, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. As he was sowing, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky ate it up. So Yeshua begins by telling the story to a large number of people, maybe all at once. Maybe it's just saying that he told it once. I don't really think that's what this verse is saying. I think that it could have been and was likely that he told this story numerous times as he traveled to every town in the region. And I think that's what Luke means when he writes that people were flocking to him from every town as he would go to each town and he would tell them this parable. People would flock to him and he'd repeat this parable everywhere that he went. I think that Yeshua He may have told other parables more than once. I think this was one that he definitely told every place that he went. And you'll see why as we go through it. Now in the parable there is a sower, a gardener, a farmer. And this sower would walk through a field after it was plowed and he would broadcast seed. And I can't say that word broadcast without thinking about Jerry Clower because Jerry Clower in his jokes often would talk about this guy that was real good at broadcasting the seed as he would throw it out into the garden. And that's what this sower would do. He wouldn't do like me. I have a very small garden and I plant one seed at a time, very meticulous. My garden's not big and big acres, okay? Well, this sower, after the field was plowed, he'd go out and he'd have this bag hanging around his shoulder. And this is likely a reference to big acreage crops. For the Israelites, it would be barley and wheat. And it would be acres and acres. And, and after the, the land was plowed, the seed would be grabbed in handfuls and then thrown out into the plowed ground. And there were unplowed paths that the sower would walk on through the field as he carried the bag of seed. And as he would take handfuls out of the bag, some of the seed would fall out of the bag onto the path where he walked. As he threw the seed, a lot of it would go out into the plowed field, but some of it would fall out of his hand and fall right there on the path that he was walking and trampling upon. It was a hard path because it had been walked on over and over many times. The seed would hit the hard path, and the seed would not be able to penetrate the soil they would just lay there on top of the ground and the birds of the sky would come and they would fly over the field and they'd see those seeds on the path and they would think, well, there's our lunch. There's our dinner. We get to eat because birds like to eat seeds. Look at verse 6. Other seed fell on the rock. When it sprang up, it withered since it lacked moisture. Underneath some of the plowed soil was what we might call limestone, thin rock layers, Now, I try my best to get all the rocks out of my garden, but my garden is small compared to gardens with big acreage. I plant my seeds one at a time. But I still find rocks in my garden every year. It's like they reproduce under the ground or something. I keep finding them under that ground. And every time I find one, I chunk it out of the garden. Well, in our parable, we have a huge field, probably acres, and while farmers may have gotten out bigger rocks, what we might call boulders or even bigger rocks kind of like this, they did not take the time to go through and remove all of the rocks. They didn't do that. Acres and acres of land. Much less would they try to remove the thin layers of limestone that existed up underneath the soil. No, they didn't do that. And so this particular seed sprang up for a time as verse 6 says, but later it withered away. The root system could not grow down deep. Why? Because of the rock. The plant could not get nourishment from rainwater because the rock was right up underneath the seed and the root system could not grow into the soil. Now, Matthew, Prophet Matthew, records this parable in his gospel as well. He records Yeshua as saying this about the seed that fell on the rock. Matthew 13, 5-6 says this, Others fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil, and they sprang up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered. A little bit different, but still the same thing. Matthew doesn't mention the lack of moisture like Luke does, and there are certain things Luke doesn't mention that Matthew mentions. Matthew points out that the seed or the plant had no root because the root system wasn't there. The plant soon withered away after it sprang up quickly and looked good for a while. Luke 8 verse 7 then says, Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Now we have a third category of seed. Remember the farmer's reaching into his bag, throwing out handfuls of seed, the seed's landing on different types of soil. We've had the hard soil on the path the rocky soil, and now we have the thorny soil. Now this seed sprang up out of the ground, but there were thorns that sprang up with it, right around it, close proximity. And I believe that this is a reference to weeds that grow in the field or in, or a garden. Now when I remove weeds from my garden, most of them are thorny. I have to use leather gloves a lot of times to get those big weeds out, because I will grab them sometimes with my bare hand without looking, and When there's thorns on them, it hurts, right? So you grab the leather gloves and you go to town. There again, I have a small garden. I try to get all of the weeds out. And even though I try to get all of them out, I still can't get them all out. This is a big acreage. The guys didn't go through there back then and try to get every little thorny weed. You don't have a farmer going through getting them all out, so some of the seeds would land among the thorny soil and the seed would grow up but right beside it the weeds the thorny weeds would grow up and they would choke out get the nourishment from the plant and the plant would die or not bear any fruit. Now look at Luke 8 verse 8 Still other seed fell on good ground when it sprang up it produced a crop one hundred times what was sown And as he said this, he called out, anyone who has ears to hear should listen. So now we have a fourth soil, and it's the only soil that produces a harvest out of the four. A hundredfold harvest, Luke says. In Matthew's account, Matthew 13, verse 8, he writes that some seed fell on good ground and produced a crop, some one hundred, some sixty, and some 30 times what was sown. So Matthew gives us a little bit more detail about the seeds that were planted, the crop that was produced. They all produced fruit, that is the seed on the good ground, but some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. So the amount of the harvest varied. This last soil produces a crop, but why? Why does it produce a crop? What is different here? Well, the answer is obvious this seed falls on good soil. Good ground, as verse 8 says. The first seed fell on the path, the second seed fell on the rock, the third seed fell among the thorns, but the last seed fell on the good fertile soil. Then Yeshua calls out after he tells this parable, and he says these words in Luke 8, 8b, Anyone who has ears to hear should listen. And I believe that's how he said it. And the reason I do, we see there's an exclamation point in a lot of English Bibles that we carry around that's added by men. But the reason I think that he raised his voice is because those words he called out in the Greek have a reference to him speaking louder than he normally would. He called out means he cried out or he shouted out. Anyone who has ears, he that has ears is a more literal translation, he that has ears should hear, should listen. What does he mean He who has ears to hear. Everyone he was talking to had ears to hear, except for maybe the occasional deaf man. He had ears, but obviously if the man was deaf, he couldn't hear the sound. But was Yeshua only saying, listen to me if you're not physically deaf? No, that's not what he was saying. Yeshua recognizes that everyone he's talking to, as he goes to these towns in the land of Israel, he goes to these towns and he teaches the people Everyone that he's talking to has physical ears. Everyone can hear him. That is, hear what he is saying, the sound of what he is saying. But not everyone could understand what he was saying. And that's his point. This is somewhat of a figure of speech. He that has ears, let him hear or let him listen is a reference to spiritual ears and not natural ears. He who has ears to hear, spoken by Yeshua, implies that somehow everybody doesn't have ears to hear. Catch that. For him to say, he who has ears, let him hear, implies everybody doesn't have them. It's a spiritual understanding. I want you to picture this. Remember verse 4 says he was teaching the crowds as he went into all of these towns in the land of Israel. So Yeshua enters into this town and all the people in the town flock to him to listen to him and he tells this parable and then after he tells it he cries out, He that has ears, let him hear. Now, in the case of this parable we can all know what Yeshua meant. That doesn't necessarily mean we'll all understand what he meant but we can all know what he meant. And the reason we can is because just a few verses later, we read it to open up the sermon, Luke records to us that Yeshua told His disciples the meaning of the parable. I'm going to get to that tomorrow in tomorrow's lesson. We'll go over the meaning of the parable. So we don't have to guess what the meaning is today. Many of you probably have heard this parable before. This is probably not your first time hearing about this parable. But I want you to think about the crowd of people in each city as Yeshua told it to them for the first time. Think of, meditate on that. It was the first time that they had heard it. They weren't raised like I did in church, and I heard it in Sunday school and in children's church, and later on in youth, and as the pastor would talk about it. I heard this parable many times. They weren't like that. When Yeshua would tell them, it was the first time they had ever heard this parable before. And so it could have, in their minds, it could have many different meanings they wouldn't necessarily understand what it meant. We know that there was curiosity as to its meaning because in Luke 8 verse 9, it records that Yeshua's students, his disciples, asked him, what does this parable mean? That shows that they were curious. This could have been just the twelve disciples. It could have been other students. He had more students than just twelve. Twelve closest to him. But he had more students than just twelve either or there, but his students, his pupils, his disciples wanted to know what the parable meant. And he responds to them in verse 10 by saying, the secrets of the kingdom of Yahweh have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in parables, so that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not they may not understand. Do you see the natural and the spiritual there? Somebody can look with their natural eyes but not see with their spiritual eyes. Or they can't see with spiritual eyes because they don't have them. Somebody can hear with natural ears but they can't hear with spiritual ears because they do not have them. Yeshua tells his students, the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom have been given. That's an important phrase. I'll get more to that tomorrow have been given for you to know but to the rest it is imperable so that when they look they won't see when they hear audibly they won't understand when yeshua said this in verse 10 to his disciples did that mean that the secrets of the kingdom were only for his 12 closest students i don't believe so Did it mean that the secrets of the kingdom were only for however many students that were listening to him and asked him that day? I don't believe so. I believe that when Yeshua said, I want you to listen carefully. We're going to get into some theology here in the last part of the sermon. I believe that when Yeshua said the secrets of the kingdom have been given for you to know, he was talking about the elect within the nation of Israel. I believe that's who he was talking about. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. He was not talking about every single Israelite, but the elect inside of the nation of Israel. And I'm going to prove that in the rest of the lesson. To the rest of the nation of Israel, he speaks in parables. To those who were not the elect spiritually inside of Israel, to those who are not chosen spiritually inside of Israel, he speaks to them in parables so that when they look, they don't see and when they hear, they don't understand. One parable acts in two different ways. To those with ears to hear spiritually, they were given the knowledge of the parable. To the rest without ears to hear spiritually, they looked but did not see. They heard but they could not understand. Who are these people that look but do not see and hear but do not understand? Well, I'll show you that they are unbelieving, rebellious Israelites. That's who these people are. And the reason we can know this is because the last part of Luke 8, verse 10, is Yeshua quoting a passage from the Hebrew Scriptures, specifically from the prophet Isaiah. Luke 8 verse 10 is Yeshua quoting a passage from the prophet Isaiah. You see that part in verse 10 where Yeshua says, looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. He is quoting something that Yahweh said through the prophet Isaiah. He's telling his disciples what Isaiah prophesied about is being fulfilled in the people that have not been given the secrets of the kingdom. Now, before we go to Isaiah chapter 6, this is where Yeshua is quoting from, Isaiah 6. I want to remind you that the whole book of Isaiah, all of Isaiah's prophecy, as recorded in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, is a vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. That's who the vision is about. In Isaiah 1, Yahweh places Judah on trial because they are in deep sin and transgression of the law. In Isaiah 3... Judah's leaders are judged and in Isaiah 5, Judah's sins are denounced. To get just a taste of this, listen to a portion of Isaiah 5:13, 13, 24-25. This is what Yahweh says. Therefore, my people go into exile because they lack knowledge. The dignitaries are starving and the masses are parched with thirst, for they have rejected the instruction of Yahweh of hosts and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, Yahweh's anger burns against His people, specifically in Isaiah, the house of Judah, the southern house of Judah. Yahweh is upset with His people, and specifically in the book of Isaiah, with the southern house of Judah, as I said. So then we come to Isaiah chapter 6. Now, Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 8 is a fascinating text. And I would encourage you to study and to read that text in relation from Yahweh to the prophet Isaiah. It shows that even a holy man like Isaiah who was probably at that time the holiest man in Israel, even when the holiest man in Israel at that time came into the presence of Yahweh, Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And an angel a seraph, had to touch the mouth of Isaiah with a burning coal in order to purify his lips. And there's a lot to that, but that's not the point of my Bible study today. The lesson tonight brings us to the call of Isaiah. Yahweh is calling Isaiah in chapter 6 to go and speak a message to the people of Israel. Catch this. That's who Isaiah is talking to. He's talking to the people of Israel, specifically the house of Judah. Let's pick it up in verse 8 and read through verse 10. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, this is Isaiah, he says he hears the Lord's voice, this Lord is Yahweh, who should I send and who will go for us? And the reason he says us, if you read the text, is because the seraphim, the seraphs, are flying around. They had six wings apiece, the Bible says, there in Isaiah 6. Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. And he replied that he there is Yahweh. This is what Yahweh said to Isaiah, the prophet that was sent to the southern house of Judah. Go, say to these people, keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Dull the minds of the people, deafen their ears, and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their minds, turn back, and be healed. Now, that should be familiar because Isaiah 6 verse 9, I've got it highlighted, says keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Luke 8 verse 10, Yeshua says, "Looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand." See, Yeshua in Luke 8:10 is quoting Isaiah six verse nine. I, Luke 8 verse 10 is Yahweh's words to the prophet Isaiah. Yeshua is quoting them in Luke chapter eight. In order to understand Luke 8, you have to go back to the book of Isaiah to see what the book of Isaiah is talking about. To further prove this, I'm going to look at Matthew's account of the parable of the soils because Matthew and Matthew 13, Mark and Mark 4, and Luke and Luke 8 all record the parable of the soils. Let's see what Matthew 13, 10 through 15 says. This is after the parable has been spoken. Then the disciples came up and asked Him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, Because the seekers of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know but it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. For this reason I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand, verse 14 says, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them. So you cannot understand or interpret properly Luke 8 and the parable of the soils if you do not go back to what the prophet Isaiah said. And the prophet Isaiah wasn't talking to any people except the nation of Judah. And it was to them, the stubborn, unbelieving, rebellious Judahites that Yahweh gave this to. He blinded them. Where they would look and not see, they could hear audibly but not understand. That's the whole point of these passages. Then, Matthew 13, continuing on in verse 14, quotes Isaiah 6, 9-10. through 10. You will listen and listen, yet never understand, and you will look and look, yet never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Other ways they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would cure them, Matthew thirteen fourteen through fifteen is a direct quote, listen carefully, is a direct quote from Isaiah six nine through ten And Matthew tells us this when he records Yeshua as saying, "Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, them who the rebellious, unrepentant inside of the physical nation of Israel." Now, turn. I don't have this on the screen. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. If you can read along with me, it will help you understand. I've fallen in love with this last part of the last chapter of Acts 28, or the book of Acts. We're going to begin in verse 17. We're going to do a little verse-by-verse study here. Acts 28:17. After three days, he, that he is talking about Paul, he called together the leaders of the Judahites, the leaders of the nation of Judah. And when they had gathered, he said to them, and notice how he addresses them, brothers. We're talking about leaders within Judah. Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people, or the customs of our forefathers. And so Paul and the people he was talking to were the same people, and Paul and the leaders that he was talking to had the same forefathers. Because he says, our people and our forefathers. I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who after examining me, wanted to release me since I had not committed a capital offense. Because the Judahites objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. It was not as though I had any accusation against my nation. What this is talking about, if you study the journeys of Apostle Paul, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and that Yeshua was the promised Messiah. And many within Judah did not accept that message. So, but they arrested him, handed him over to the Roman authorities... The Roman authorities wanted to let him go because he would not committed a capital crime. Capital crime means a crime worthy of severe punishment like death. And then he says right here in verse 19, there was no one that could accuse him in his own nation. They couldn't find any fault with what he had done. He would just been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Verse 20, So for this reason I have asked to see you, that you goes back to verse 17, the leaders of the Judahites, the leaders of Judah, and speak to you, in fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Verse 21, And they said to him, the leaders say, We haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we consider it suitable to hear from you and what you think. For concerning this sect, we are aware that it is spoken against everywhere. What sect? What sect? the sect that believes in Yeshua, the sect that believes in the man from Nazareth. We've heard that this sect is talked about negatively, but we've got nothing but time to listen to what you have to say, Paul, to us, preach to us. Verse 23, look at what they did. After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging, and so they set up a Bible study. Now, this Bible study was only with the Old Testament because there was no New Testament at this time. And we're going to see here in a second exactly what portions of the Old Testament that Paul went to. Verse 23 says, From dawn to dusk he expounded and witnessed about the kingdom of Yahweh. I've been in Bible studies before where I lose track of time. I've done some dawn to duskers before in my day. And they're long. They take a toll on you, but sometimes you lose track of time. It's so good, you get to eat in that good meat of the Word. And it's just a wonderful thing. He persuaded them. Remember, he's talking to the leaders of Judah. He persuaded them concerning Yeshua from both the law of Moses and the prophets. See, Paul could prove that Yeshua was the Messiah without using the New Testament. He didn't have New Testament he could go to the Law of Moses and the Prophets and show these sayings about a promised Messiah and show that they were fulfilled in the man from Nazareth. Look at verse 24. Look at what 24 says. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Now, he's only talking to one group of people here. And that's the nation of the people, some people in the nation of Judah, in the house of Judah. Some were persuaded. That means some of them were persuaded that Yeshua was the Messiah. But others did not believe. Others said, no, we don't receive the message. Verse 25. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave. They left the Bible study after Paul made one statement. Listen to what Paul says. The Holy Spirit correctly spoke through the prophet Isaiah to your forefathers. Now, that proves that the people that Paul was talking to had to be Judahites because he's talking about Isaiah spoke to your forefathers. And who was Isaiah writing to? The nation of Judah. Listen to what Isaiah said, or the Holy Spirit, Yahweh's Spirit correctly spoke through the prophet Isaiah to the forefathers back then. the end at that time. That's kinsmen, ancestry is what that's saying. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke to those Judahites back then and what He's speaking to these that did not believe now. Listen to what He says. He quotes Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. Go to this people and say, You will listen and listen, yet never understand. You will look and look, yet never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, and I would heal them. Now I found, there may be more, but I have found where Isaiah 6, 9-10 through 10, in some capacity is quoted five times in the New Testament. One obviously is in Luke 8, verse 10 in our opening text. Another time is here in Acts 28. The other times are Matthew 13, 10-15. Mark four, ten through twelve, and John chapter twelve, verses thirty seven through forty three. And every single time that it's quoted, it's talking about the same people that it was talked about when it first was written in Isaiah six. There were rebellious unbelieving Judahites back in Isaiah's day, and there are rebellious unbelieving Judahites in Yeshua's day and in Apostle Shaul's day, Apostle Paul's day. And these are the people who will look and not see, perceive, who will hear but not understand. Verse 28, look at what Paul says in verse 28 after he quotes Isaiah 6. Therefore, let it be known to you that this saving work of Yahweh has been sent to the nations, they will listen After he said these things, the Judahites departed while engaging in a prolonged debate among themselves. What Paul is saying here is this. Yes, some of you Judahites were persuaded when I taught you about Yeshua from the law and the prophets. Others of you were not. And that's because Isaiah's prophecy has been fulfilled about you. You're stubborn just like your forefathers. And so therefore, I'm leaving you and I'm going to the nations. I believe those nations are talking about the ten northern tribes of of Israel there. Not all of them will hear either when you read through the book of Acts. But some of them will. Verse 30-31 through is really not part of my text, but it's so good. So let's finish out Acts 28. Then he stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of Yahweh and teaching the things concerning the Master, Yeshua the Messiah, with full boldness and without hindrance. Praise Yahweh. So, Yeshua is pointing out in Luke 8, 8-10. through 10. This is theological. Listen carefully. I want you to get it. Yeshua is pointing out in Luke 8, 8-10 through 10, that within the physical elect nation of Israel there exists a special elect called the remnant. In other words... A spiritual elect within the physical elect, Yahweh elected the entire nation of Israel. Every single physical Israelite to ever be born is an elect child of Yahweh physically. Within that nation, according to what we've went over today in these passages, within that nation, there are some who perceive, and there are some who understand, but there are others who do not. There are others whose hearts are callous, whose eyes they have closed, and whose ears they have shut. Thus, Yahweh's word through the prophet Isaiah is fulfilled then in Isaiah's time, then in Yeshua's time, and now in our day and time. That is what this passage is teaching. Now, some people, and I don't mean this, derogatorily what I'm about to say to anybody individually in here. Some people believe in what's called universal reconciliation. Okay? That means that eventually at different stages, different levels, different times, every person to ever be born, Israel or not, will eventually be in the kingdom of Yahweh. Uh, through stages of discipline, chastisement, and things like that. Brother Dan's smiling back there. Remember, Brother Dan's talking a little bit about this. Once again, I'm not speaking against anybody in here. Brother Tim, uh, smiling too. (laughs) Some people believe that, okay? I don't believe in universal reconciliation, by the way. I don't believe that. There are others who believe that there is total reconciliation within the physical nation of Israel. I don't believe that either. And one of the reasons, the reasons are many, but one of the reasons I don't is because of what we have went over today. What Yeshua says, what Yahweh said through Isaiah, and what Paul talks about in Acts 28. And really, if you wipe out total reconciliation of physical Israel, you automatically wipe out universal reconciliation. Think about that. Ponder upon that. Yahweh sends a strong delusion on some of His people because they refuse to see, to hear, and to understand. In the towns of Israel, remember, that's where Yeshua taught this parable. Yeshua is not teaching this parable outside of the towns of Israel. And when He would go to feed the sheep Some would hear, but there were others who would hear and understand. Some would not understand. Thus is Isaiah's prophecy fulfilled in them. Looking, they may not see, hearing, they may not understand. Yeshua tells the disciples to you, It is given. It is given. It is given. Meditate on that. You don't come up with it yourself, it is given to you, to know the secrets of the kingdom. To the rest, the unbelieving, rebellious Israelites, it is not. Those to whom it is given represent, we'll talk about this tomorrow, the good soil. Those to whom it is not given represent the three bad soils. Yahweh commissioned Isaiah to tell the rebellious Israelites of His day that they would hear, but not understand. They would see, but not perceive. And Yeshua said that an additional fulfillment to Isaiah's words. Thus, Isaiah's words are fulfilled in you today, Yeshua says. That fulfillment is is that when He spoke in many parables, through these parables, some would understand because it was given to them to understand but the rest would hear him audibly, but not understand. Parables were then and still are today a form of judgment on the rebellious, unbelieving Israelites. Up to this point, I'll close with this. Up to this point, Yeshua had preached in Nazareth. That was his hometown. Remember in Luke 4? They tried to throw him off of a cliff in Luke chapter 4. And you read what he preached about, and he really didn't say much of anything. All he read was a a portion of the prophecy of Isaiah, and he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I'm the fulfillment of this scripture. And they wanted to see a miracle. But he said, no, not showing any miracles today. And they got upset with him and tried to throw him off of the cliff. (laughs) His own townsman. So he preached in Nazareth, rejected by family and friends. He continued to preach in places like Capernaum and Galilee, and everywhere he would go, some would receive him. Others would not. When Paul preached to the leaders of Judah, some were persuaded. Others were not. Isaiah's prophecy has to be fulfilled. Up to this point in Luke, Yeshua has not spoken in parables. But now he begins to use parables here as a judgment upon those in the nation whose hearts were hard toward him. They, just like the rebellious Israelites of Isaiah's day, had grown callous to the truth of Yahweh. And therefore Yahweh said, You're under my judgment. Now I'd like to continue on here, but I've got another day of preaching to fill tomorrow. And so I don't want to go through the rest of my notes. Tomorrow during New Moon Service, we'll go through Luke 8, 11 through 15 and I promise you, it hinges on what i taught tonight. All right? So let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Oh. Yahweh Father, I love You. I thank You. I praise You. You are worthy. I am not. Have mercy on me, a sinner, Father. Yahweh Father, I pray right now that these verses that we've read would open up and blossom in our minds and our hearts. I pray that the brothers and sisters here would not just have heard me speak these tonight, but that they go home tonight and they would look back over them, spend as much time as they need throughout the week or month rehearsing these things in their mind, letting these things become part of their spirit and and their mind. And I pray by Your sovereign will, according to the good, that You'd bring us all back here tomorrow to hear the next part of this teaching not because it's me but because the word of Yahweh is so important and I want people to, to hear and Father I want people to understand thank you Yahweh through your son Yeshua I pray